Welcome to the Analysis Mason podcast. I'm Caroline Chappell. I'm the research director responsible for our cloud research here in Analysis Mason. And today I'm in conversation with Martin Scott, who's a principal analyst in our consumer research practice. Amongst other things, he's been producing a wealth of material this year that gets under the bonnet of the metaverse. What it is, what it could be, and what roles different stakeholders might play there, including CSPs. Martin has recently written an article about the definition of the metaverse, a link for which is in the show notes. So, Martin, what is the metaverse? Thank you, Caroline. and It's lovely to be doing this with you. Um, So, ask 100 companies what the metaverse is, and you'll get 100 different answers. And that's that's pretty much what what we've done this year, I think. Um, We have been so immersed in in conversations with, with clients, with vendors, with software developers about what the metaverse is, what it will be, what the dependencies are. And and you, you do get such a, a range of answers, but but with some some common themes throughout. Um, it's important to say that our definition of the metaverse will change over time because the industry's definition of the metaverse will necessarily change over the time because it isn't actually here yet. It's it's a term which has been appropriated by a, an ever-growing number of companies to, to suit their own objectives and needs. There's been, uh, I suppose, a uh, claiming of the term to retrospectively slap on things like uh, IoT solutions, which are being rebranded as uh, industrial metaverse solutions. Anything that involves some sort of virtual space or augmented reality as well is starting to get labeled as a metaverse application. We see this in consumer confusion as well, where they think they're already operating in the metaverse. The metaverse does not exist yet. But back to your question, which is, what what is the metaverse? Um, I really like the term superset, which you've used um, many times before. I think of the metaverse as the superset of existing and future virtual spaces that are either A, forms of augmented reality, extending real space with with virtual augmentation or b are entirely virtual spaces and when i say the superset we don't just mean that we lump them together and call anything and everything the metaverse core to that vision is that these virtual spaces are scalable in terms of the number of attendees and the size of the virtual space they're persistent i.e. They, the state of things stays the same whether you as an individual are, are there or, or log out. They are interconnected and they are interoperable, which means that you can move digital assets or avatars between spaces that are operating on entirely different platforms and running on different engines because the open standards and the APIs exist for you to do so. So it's not just about lumping together virtual spaces into a single category and calling it metaverse. It's about connecting those things up in an open and standards-based way. So we have in the past used the very simple description, the internet in 3D to describe what the metaverse is in a really simple form. And I think that is a useful starting point, but I think we also need to move beyond that 
And certainly this is something that, that you and I have, have found in the conversations that, that we've been having with various stakeholders um, when, when we've tried to sort of sense test our, our definition of the metaverse with them, that actually a lot of 2D applications that we use today, like, like video calling, like browsing the internet, like office productivity apps, they're 2D applications. They will continue to be used in metaverse contexts. So 2D applications must also, in some respect, be counted as part of this this concept of the metaverse. And that doesn't fit into a simple term like internet in 3D. Augmented reality um, is an important part of this. And I think when we talk about 3D worlds, it makes it sound like we're only talking about virtual reality. Another aspect of this is what, what different players, and I think it was Ofcom that I found particularly useful, actually, the way they were approaching this, refer to things as the Internet of Senses. So this includes auditory, visual, but also things like haptics. So, so the immersive sense of touch that you can get as part of virtual experiences. That isn't necessarily captured in the term Internet in 3D. The internet bit of it, actually, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with describing it as such in the sense that uh, we're talking about everything being interconnected and common protocols to exist. Um, though, actually, you and I uh, had a conversation the other day where you made the point that that, that wouldn't necessarily actually be IP-based because of the, limit, the limitations of, of IP of the internet protocol. I, I was I was thinking, you know, we, we are t- you are talking, you are describing the the, uh, the the metaverse, but when does it become real? Because if we're talking about things like beyond IP, then we're not going to get the metaverse tomorrow, are we? Yeah, I mean, the, there are there are so many interdependencies here. I suppose what we have today, um, uh, another another colleague of ours described as monoverses, which I think is a really useful term. Um, we've got a whole lot of slightly separate worlds and they exist today and some are being labeled as metaverses. But really to get to that, that interconnected state of things, we've got to satisfy an awful lot of interdependencies. So a lot of this is covered in the article, which, as you mentioned, is in the show notes. So we need AR, VR platforms and devices that give a sense of presence and that allow us to move seamlessly between the real and virtual worlds, first and foremost. We need new networks, new new paradigms of network connectivity and distributed cloud infrastructure that supports that, that enables those AR, VR platforms to deliver something more than um, Mark Zuckerberg running a, an animation to virtually jump into the air. We need standards and protocols that manage uh, assets and the ownership of those assets, the retail of those assets transparently. We need mechanisms and regulations that protect the privacy and security of those assets and of the individuals that use the metaverse. And thinking about it from a dev point of view, we need user-friendly user interfaces and tools to build metaverse experiences. This is the kind of thing that Roblox is really good at. And, And we need those tools to be able to create compelling content and experiences that users want to use. So another fundamental issue we have today with these these proto-metaverses, these monoverses, is that people aren't necessarily using them. Look at those awful stats that came out a couple of months ago about how many people were in Decentraland uh, at any one time, or in, even in Meta's Horizon worlds. We need to get beyond that. And ultimately, above all of this, we need the business case 
to work. So if we categorize all those different dependencies into very roughly three groups, what we need is for the likes of uh, Meta, NVIDIA, Microsoft, the big hyperscalers that are you know, putting time and effort into developing this, this vision of the metaverse, we need them to gain the buy-in of consumers, of software developers, and of telecoms operators to, to provide the underlying connectivity. And getting all three of those things simultaneously is extremely hard. And what it ultimately comes back to, to get that buy-in, is, is money. Yeah, indeed. And um, what what does that business case? I mean, drilling into the um, to the CSPs, the telcos in in particular, uh, who which have already been burned by the whole sort of OTT uh, experience um, that has that has really sort of characterised the past couple of decades. I think now they will be looking to participate uh, in any metaverse developments uh, as an equal partner with 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 the others but i think that probably also uh requires some joined up thinking within the uh, the, the csps um themselves and i think you know you and i've been talking to to a number of, of csps um and we don't yet see much evidence that within uh, within operators, the, um, the the networking, the, uh, the 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 product facing people who are who are looking at you know what what are the, what's next for consumer for example or indeed for for enterprise, um, and the strategy teams are all talking together about what they can do to address this opportunity. Would would, would you agree with that, Martin? Yeah, absolutely. And even within strategy teams, the the way that they are organizing varies massively from those that are just anecdotally thinking about it to those that are organizing kind of uh, working groups around it to to different organizations that have you know chief metaverse officers and dedicated metaverse units and i think that um it's it's only when you actually get to the point of having dedicated units or uh, a cxo that has responsibility for the metaverse that actually you start to create that joined up thinking that is necessary to work out how this is all going to work. And obviously another part of that is the network side of this, um, which which is a, a absolutely fascinating area. Again, thinking about timelines and moving on from the, the, the conversation about timelines, thinking about how the network people are thinking about uh, the metaverse and, and powering, connecting, enabling the metaverse. I mean, we've seen some very incrementalist approaches from some of the major CSPs. And then we've also seen some really interesting views from those that are kind of thinking about how they pivot from being connectivity providers to being kind of uh, unified connectivity and compute providers. And we're talking about a fundamental paradigm shift in that connectivity compute topology. And, and this is your area rather than my area. And, and you say, interest, said some interesting things in uh, your client summit presentation back in October about this. So I was interested if you could maybe say a little bit more about that and the roadmap to 6G and, and that and how that relates to the metaverse. Yes, I think if you look at some of the things that the metaverse is expected to do, um, I think um, 
are we, you know, w- w- people are going to expect massive freedom of action in, in the metaverse, i.e. I- to be able to walk seamlessly through portals into 3D virtual world after 3D virtual world, bringing their virtual friends with them. They're going to want to be able to contribute to those virtual worlds and their narratives. So they'll continually be building and submitting new components of it. So those 3D virtual worlds will be continually changing as a result of potentially millions of collaborations. And yet, as you say, they'll still need to remain interconnected and persistent. So, and you also, people are talking about being able to experience those worlds from novel and sort of personalized perspectives, you know, as a cat or a dolphin or by flying around them or whatever. And you just think, well, what does this all mean for the network? And I think what this means for the network is the network, if you've got to have this kind of interconnectivity. You need to have something that is seamless, that is that is joined up across network domains. It shouldn't matter what the network underlay looks like. There needs to be some kind of persistent um, shape-shifting, we, we, we call it sort of control plane, that runs across any underlay, uh, uh, underlay infrastructure and can and, and, and really needs to be able to do some, some amazing things that are not possible in the, in the network today, like being able to create up to one gigabit per second application-specific connections across any combination of underlay infrastructure on the fly. Um, and that's one gigabit per second per stream, you know, to an individual application or to an individual user. Um, and then it's, it needs to support end-to-end, very low latency deterministic connections. Um, so, you know, depending on the geographical limits, obviously, because there are laws of physics involved, you know, it's, it's going to need to provide latency anywhere from 10 milliseconds to 100 microseconds, depending on the use case, you know, in the Internet of senses as, as you've described it. So we kind of have this view of, of, of what's needed in the future is something we're calling the universal digital fabric, which we think is, a, is an implementation of 6G, which is a software-defined and AI-mediated aggregation layer that will provide this seamless any-to-any intelligent routing, including deterministic routing, across different infrastructure types and locations from cloud to edge and that will be able to instantiate networking and compute and compute because interestingly I think this this control plane brings together it converges the network and the compute control plane and brings them together dynamically at whatever scale with whatever features that applications need wherever they need them. Now there are, as you say, some really visionary uh, operators beginning to talk about this kind of, of network for the future, this kind of vision of 6G um, already today. Uh, but I think we're a very, very long way uh, towards um, you know, getting there. I think this is going to be a sort of decade-long journey as we develop, as you say, many different technologies. You pointed out all those interdependencies, and there are plenty of them uh, around the network itself that need to mature before we get to that kind of vision. So that's, as I say, that's very visionary. We do see that there will be kind of, you know, there will be steps towards this. But I think the big question for us, isn't it, Martin, is what what do operators do to prepare for this? What should they be doing in the in the short term, um, and where do they focus? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's there, there are still kind of like lots of ellipses and question marks between the kind of the vision of where we're heading to in sort of twenty thirty and beyond. And where where we are in you know, the the start of 2023, um, 
which doesn't mean that 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 we don't have a sense of of some of the different ways that one one can can get there um but but definitely we we need to be thinking about the here and now as well and i suppose so I've I've looked at this from various different angles. I've interviewed operators about this for a case study report. Most recently, I've published a consumer survey report, which surveys 19,000 consumers about what the metaverse means to them, whether they understand the term, what they think it is, and looking at the usage uh, behavior and the spend profile of consumers that, that say they're interested in the metaverse. And that's really, really interesting. And so as a result of those different conversations and interviews and reports that I've written, I think to simplify down areas where I would pay attention if I were a, a telecoms operator in, in 2023, I'd obviously be thinking about the connectivity. And, you know, further out, we can be thinking about this this kind of uh, application of where, like, software-defined co- computing networking unified plane. Before that, we can think about how do we actually improve throughput and reliability from end to end within the network and that that a big part of that is home network connectivity it's it's about the rely, reliability of, of home wi-fi and, and home home services for uh, throughput latency jitter beyond that i think inevitably we need to be having the conversations about cloud compute and about who provides cloud compute and what telecoms operators role is in in the edge which is not built on the business case of sim- single applications but is built on sort of a combination of different potential applications of which i think metaverse type applications are important components and then coming back to thinking about my most recent research from that consumer survey um, i think that telecoms operators have an important role to play in the curation of content applications and assets by which i mean uh, as as a more advanced operators like SK Telecom, the, the South Korean uh, major telecoms player, uh, are doing where they are essentially curating not just your your like streaming video and TV entertainment experiences or your video and gaming ent- entertainment experiences. They're taking that out to the curation of real life subscriptions, food delivery, Peloton subscriptions benefits in Starbucks. And they're then taking that further beyond entertainment and beyond real world things to also curating, you know, your your digital world experiences, becoming curators of the metaverse. Another interesting conversation that I know we had recently with uh, one of our our telecoms operator clients was around um, the idea of digital vaults and around who looks after your digital assets, your NFTs, your your avatars, um, when these are extremely large and extremely valuable files? We're talking about gig, many gigabyte files uh, that, that kind of have different different characteristics, and and you know they can be stored in the cloud, but you need something that's, that's secure, and you need something which is. Um, which is clearly owned, I suppose. I, I'm not articulating that very well. But there's, there's there's interesting stuff there around basically the way that the telecoms operators work as that trusted partner and curate experiences. And another bit that I think we haven't been able to cover adequately in our consumer survey research is, um, is who are the people that are going to be using the metaverse? Sure, it will be a lot of the people that are adults today who we are surveying. But actually, a lot of this is going to be about Generation Alpha. So those people born in 2012 
uh, or beyond, those that are going to be uh, entering high school in the next few years. If we are thinking that we aren't going to get towards proper metaversy experiences enabled by, you know, the, the Meta Quest Pro 4 and whatever amazing whizzy handset, headsets Apple will be coming out with, not in the first generation, but in the second or third generation, if that's like 2026, 2028, then we're talking about Generation Alpha becoming adults with their own cold, hard cash to earn. These are not just digital natives, but VR space natives that are building and designing environments in the likes of Roblox today. And we need to think about the relationship that telecoms operators have with those consumers. Um, and, and that's stuff where the foundation for that can be laid now, because we know from our research that, that the behavior of those children, of those teenagers, influences the, the buying behavior of the adults that, that are getting the home, home connectivity. And the only other part of that that I've not really mentioned, I suppose we touched on a bit, is, is, is around APIs and standards. So I think today, thinking about that further out, thinking of that move towards a programmable network, um, we can be thinking about how telecoms operators are involved in APIs and standards. What we need to do is get to a position where we have a trusted developer community that that want to make apps for or so help with solutions for kind of metaverse type applications and work with telecoms operators to make connectivity and quality of experience more programmable and make more make it more application aware, and that necessarily needs APIs and standards. Indeed. Well, that's plenty of food for thought there, Martin. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, uh, But I think that's all we have time for. A reminder to our listeners that there's a link to the article that Martin wrote recently in the show notes, and that will also direct you towards our other work in this area. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. And thanks, Caroline. I've enjoyed this. 